everybody, and welcome back to Mount Crumpet. This is Zillennial Christmas. I'm Kira. She mount to like Crumpet. Uh, my name's Adam. And, uh, yeah, welcome to Whoville, guys. Um, yeah. Yeah, we're, um, uh, I'm thing one. This is a uh, thing two. Bitch two. Bitch one and bitch two. We need those shirts. Did you see the thing one and thing two keychains at Universal for only children? And then it was. It says uh, like only one. Only, only one or only thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like. That's just, so funny. It's really funny. One of my childhood Christmas cards, like the year that we went to Universal around Christmas, it was uh, me and my siblings and thing one, thing two, and thing three shirts. Mm. Hell yeah, that's like a childhood staple as far as like tourist, like yeah, Universal pictures go. I I've seen so many of those before. I definitely like wore a thing one and thing two shirt with like a bestie when I went to Universal yeah. in 2004. Yeah. And um, as somebody who uh, vacationed in the Florida Keys and in like shitty like beach towns, um, bitch one and bitch two, and also like <laughs> drunk one and drunk two, those yeah. are yeah, oh, yeah classics. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you'll you'll see that over. Go to I Drive and you'll see it yeah. all over the place. Still, we should get like drunk one and drunk two, even though I'm like completely sober person. I think that'd just be like very fun. No, it's, it's even funnier if you're sober. That's what's yeah. funny about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, drunk too, and they're just like, "Where is drunk one?" Uh, in Orlando, Florida. In Orlando, don't Florida. <laughs> yeah. Don't even just don't bring it when you actually do come down. Only wear it when you're away from me. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're covering uh Ron Howard's How mm-hmm. the Grinch Stole Christmas this mm-hmm. week. Um, a movie that I feel like I don't have the receipts, but I feel like I've asked you many times to cover this movie. Mm-hmm. Um and I I could be getting it wrong, right? Like I I have asked in previous years, and I think you've told me no. Yeah, because I wasn't ready. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. I mean, I, I had mean, to you... wait until like some stuff cleared. Okay, before so, I talked about certain things. Fair enough. I mean, I wanted I'll I'll clear the floor for you in a second, but I I wanted to talk about this movie for. More so in previous years, but I'm cool talking about it this year, just because it is a very large childhood staple as far as, like, my Christmases go. Like, I did watch this a lot when I was a kid, and I think a big factor into why I... I also, you know, yeah, enjoyed it, but more so just, like, was kind of enamored by it as a kid was because of how much it kind of, it did scare me a little bit when Mm -hmm. I was a kid. And I think, but I think I enjoyed that about it. Like, I liked the, like, mystery. I liked the weird imagery. I liked all the unpleasant things about this movie when I was a kid. (laughs) And that's what kind of made it kind of a Christmas classic for me. So it it did feel like, I mean, I had it on DVD or VHS? I, I want to say DVD. I had it. I had like a green VHS case of it. I definitely had the VHS, but I, I'm pretty sure I and eventually got the DVD as well. Um, but I know for sure the most I've seen this movie is on ABC Family. Mm-hmm. That is where this movie like lived and died for me. Even I, I never always watched this movie like from start to finish completely, but I would always mm-hmm. at least once a year in my youth watch at least like the middle and end of the movie 
or just the beginning and stop in the middle or something like there there's always a time of the year where i'd watch at least a 30 minute chunk if not the whole thing mm. so yeah i mean i don't know i feel like this movie is like super millennial and it's kind of having a resurgence a little bit like it just had a fab event this year um i think it was playing like every goal amc cinemark um it kind of got got bad reviews when it came out and it's kind of i don't know it's kind of having a little bit of a i think i think it's the kind of thing where it's yeah it's bad (laughs) technically i mean i don't know Uh, i mean (laughs) technically it's good we were discussing technically like production design every like every like you know the makeup's pretty like mind-blowing honestly it's pretty amazing and we just found out before recording uh it won an oscar for makeup which makes sense um but i think it's the kind of thing where we were discussing it last week on the elf episode everyone just watches it every year anyway and it's just kind of like lucky that elf is a very good movie Mm -hmm. um this people just watch once a year anyway, regardless yeah. of whether it's good or bad. And I think that's the case with a lot of Christmas movies. Um, uh, sorry, my AirPod just died. One second. It's okay. Hello, connect. Connect. Hello. Amazing. Okay. Okay. You good? So yeah. Oh um, wait, the mic is like. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Better. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. I think that's the case with a lot of Christmas movies is that um, people just watch them every year regardless of if they're good or bad. And I think we were discussing that specifically with Christmas in the Cranks and Deck the Halls last week where movies will become family traditions and it doesn't matter if they're good or bad. Yeah, I mean, I will say I do think this is like better than both of those movies, but I... I, I do I, I don't disagree with the sentiment. I think this is one of those weird movies where I feel like the question about whether or not it's good or bad is kind of murky because I I gave it like a three out of five when I watched it on Letterboxd. And I think that's a pretty appropriate rating because it does a lot of like really weird stuff and it does a thing that I often really hate about like especially like children's book adaptations where it just adds a ton of like pointless expansive stuff that doesn't really uh, at the end of the day add a whole lot i think there's an interesting angle here about adding um and i watched the original uh like short or the christmas special from the 60s uh before watching this they just had like a comparison piece Mm -hmm. and like honestly that moment at the end where you know, he steals the gifts and they all, but they still sing at Christmas morning anyways. It's super simple, but it's really sweet in the moment. Um, and I think the idea to, like, make this a really kind of, like, 
scathing thing about like capitalism and like commercialism of Christmas is interesting. I don't know how necessary it is though. And I do think it makes the whole movie feel a bit more bloated than it has to. So it's kind of a double-edged sword because I do kind of appreciate it, but I don't think it 100% works. It's, it's kind of a double-edged sword with that. So I don't yeah. know. It, it's kind of an interesting movie. I still enjoy it, but I think it's a little over long and I don't think all of it works, but there's something about it that I find really like compelling anytime i watch it and i think it it could really just be nostalgia honestly it really just could be that i mean it definitely looks good like visually like really good Mm -hmm. um nothing really looks dated in any way specifically because the majority of it is physical sets which is crazy and physical Mm -hmm. makeup which everything looks amazing yeah um Something that fascinates me, though, is that, like, so famously, uh, the cat in the hat is what killed all live action Dr. (laughs) Seuss things. Their performances are, like, really similar. Very. I was even thinking, like, while watching this today, I had the cat in the hat on the mind while watching this movie today. Yeah. Um, and, like, I have to wonder where they would have gone from there. And, like, who, like, Robin, like would Robin Williams play Hop on Pop? Like, what would have <laughs> happened? Um, I think, so, I, I think even aside from the performances, which, I mean, that is the, obviously the big compelling comparative mm-hmm. factor of these two movies is the, uh, the dual performances, you know, from uh, A-list comedian under heavy makeup. Like, that's yeah. the most apt comparison you can make, obviously. But even still, like, aside from that, they're both very, like, visually striking and weird to their core movies in many different ways that expand on a very simple, like, 20-page book. Mm-hmm. Um, one would argue kind of pointlessly so. <laughs> and they add, like, maybe an extra 20 to 30 minutes that it doesn't really need. Yeah, like, I was, like, shocked when I turned this yeah. on and it was, like, an hour 45 yeah, I mean, it's, and that's, like, with credits, or without credits, like, and with yeah. credits, it's, like, an hour 51 or 52, like, it's really quite a long movie. Yeah. Um. So, I think both movies have, like, a lot in common, as Sue's adaptations go, and I kind of forgot that about this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, I, I, it's, it's a weird case, but I, but, and honestly, before we go any further, I'm, I, I want to hear from the peanut gallery, I want to, I, I want to know the story your uh my trauma regarding the Grinch yeah um so in December 2018 I was hit by a car I'm not gonna laugh about um Um, I'm fine um yeah so I was brought to the emergency room and obviously like I was like freaking out everyone around me was freaking out uh you know, it was a panicky situation. Nobody knew it was wrong with me. Um, spoiler, uh, my knee was broken. Wow. Um, but anyway, so I'm in the emergency room in a lot of pain, just lying in a bed. Um, I'm not able to get up. I'm just like staring at a ceiling, like in a neck brace. They can't move me. Um, I'm just laying there for hours and they're like, oh, do you want to watch TV? 
And because I couldn't move, they were like, we'll turn on the TV. And I was like, okay, put on whatever. Uh, Ron Howard's How the Grinch Stole Christmas was on the TV (laughs) while I was laying in the emergency room with a broken knee. And luckily it was like a half hour until the end. And they're like giving me like morphine and stuff. And movie ends. It starts again. I watched it like one and a half times while I was laying in the emergency room with a broken knee on morphine, just like not able to move. Um, That was the last time I watched it before this, I'm pretty sure. Um, Yeah. Yeah, which is, it's fine because it's like, I didn't really like, I wasn't like registering the movie. It's just like, of course. this might as well be on the TV right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I think the last time I watched this was in the emergency room when I got hit by a car. <laughs> I, um, and how were you like feeling in that moment? I mean, obviously it felt like it missed pain, <laughs> but about the, about the movie, were you like upset about it? Like, the no, movie I playing? was just like, I was like, this might as well be on. <laughs> and like, it's the kind of thing where like, like when I like get an MRI or something and they're like, what music do you want to listen to? And you don't want to say something like specific because you don't want them to like be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like when I get like stand up MRI or whatever, they're like, what do you want to watch on TV? And I'm like, just put on like HGTV, just like the most like neutral thing. So like yeah. when I was in the emergency room, they're just like, oh, like ABC family. I'm like, yeah, sure. No, and it's yeah. live action Grinch, of course. And that's like yeah. what I'm stuck watching for hours. Yeah. Honestly, I feel like Prime, like Hospital Watch is like HGTV or ABC Family. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm pretty partial to like a TNT, too. Yeah. Honestly. I remember the last time I was at a hospital, I watched Revenge of the Sith on TNT. And nice. That was, that was a good watch. Um, yeah. When I like had an injury in middle school or something. I remember I was just watching Seinfeld for like hours in the emergency room. That's a good hot. That's a good hospital watch because it's so like inconsequential. Like it's so like yeah. you can like dip out of the episode just like or watch halfway into it or like whatever. Mm-hmm. Really matter at the end of the day. Um, okay, all right. So I mean, I I pretty much knew that about the the trauma, but putting it into perspective, like you were in a neck brace and just like you couldn't even like move your body. <laughs> like that's yeah. just kind of like. That kind of cements it a bit. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure, like, my sister-in-law came in because she's a nurse, and she was like, oh, my God. And then I was like, can you change the channel? And there was, like, nothing <laughs> else on. <laughs> so I just left it on. Yeah. Um, well, I'm glad he was there for you in your hour of need. Ron um, Howard? I was going to say the Grinch, but, yeah, Ron Howard, too. Ronnie Howard. Did you ever see when he, like, retweeted or, like, tweeted a link to an article and was, like, my daughter, and the headline was, like, um, like, Bryce Dallas Howard in, like, busty shirt or something like that? What? Yeah. No, I don't like that. Yeah. I don't think he realized. I don't think he did. Um, Poor guy. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Fucking Ron Howard. Fucking yeah. Opie. Um, I think uh, the funniest thing about him is that he puts his brother in every movie. Yeah. Um, it's always fun. Um, yeah, I don't know. When it comes to this movie, 
like I said before, I think a large part of why I find it watchable is a nostalgia factor. And, like, again, though, like, I think a big reason why I liked it as a kid was, again, the weird imagery. Like, there's just something about, like, even just, like, the sets, like, the Who's, like, the, like, even aside from the Grinch, like, all the Whoville stuff, like, even that stuff. Yeah, they look awesome. Um, yeah, like, the tone of the movie is very weird. It's very strange. The editing, like, the, there's kind of, like, a glossy filter over it to where it looks, the whole movie, like, feels like a memory. Like, I don't really know how to describe it, but it just feels like, I, it's so, such a weird directorial effort that, like, and the thing about the fact that Robin Howard made this movie is the fact that none of his other movies feel distinct like this movie. Like, he's a, and I don't even, like, dislike Ron Howard. I have, like, nothing against him. It's just... He's very bland. He kind of is, like, a John Favreau, almost. As, like, a neutral statement, he's very bland. Like, yeah, not I... Not saying I, he's good or bad. Yeah, I mean, he's made good movies, he's made bad movies. But he's, you know, he's, he's like, many other directors in that sense. Um, mm. He's, like, he's kind of a working man director. But it just feels so interesting that this was the one where he, like, really went for, like, a distinct kind of like visual um language with it which mm-hmm. i'm looking at the cinematographer um whoever this guy is don donald peterman this was mm-hmm. the last movie he made and oh, wow. before this he shot men in black um which that um, makes sense i don't know movie, why it does because that movie looks really good uh he did like all the barry sonnenfeld movies like the adams family values Mm. Uh, he did Point Break, which is a really good-looking movie. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Uh. Honestly, yeah, okay. All these movies have, like, a very distinct, like, look to them. Yeah. Um, they also have, like, a large aspect ratio, which I'm seeing a correlation there with that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, honestly, like, that's my big takeaway from this, like, watch of it is, like, the cinematography was, like, really impressive. And I feel like... It's not even just the cinematography, though. I feel like a lot of it comes from the set design. So that's pretty crazy, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I agree. I think it, I mean, it all really just plays a factor in it. I mean, the set, cinematography, the, like, the, 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 the makeup, the effects, the sound design even is, like, really impressive, I feel like. Like, it's just... Like, mm-hmm. on a technical level, like, I mean, it's not only just, like, impressive or it's kind of cool. Like, it's on every level. It's pretty miraculous in that sense. Like, I I really do think this is, like, one of the best, like, looking and inventive, like, Christmas movies, just on a visual standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have a small story <laughs> about this movie because I was too young to see this in theaters when it came out. Um, I'm pretty sure I had to watch it the following Christmas when it came out. Because back in 2001, and feel free to fact, fact check me on this, uh, listeners, but I'm pretty sure this was in the era where like movies didn't come out on home video until like a full year after. I think so, um, yeah. So I think it came out the, the following November on home video. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think I saw it until then. I could be wrong about that, but I, I just know I didn't see it in theaters, so I don't know when I could have seen it prior. Um, but I remember the first Christmas that this movie came out, um, my mom was a frequenter at Universal Orlando, 
Mm-hmm. Um, I believe she was a pass holder back then, and she had a ton of friends that were like employees. Um, so I remember, and I not even that I remember. We just have like a ton of pictures of this. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a thing called Grinchmas, which is yes. still kind of going on. Um, I don't think it it's is. Still... It's still a full thing. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. If they, I didn't know if they still called it Grinchmas, but I know that he's like in the park. Mm-hmm. Um, although Grinchmas was an entirely different thing in the early 2000s. I, I was telling Victoria about this yesterday. Um, back in the early days, they had like um, a big like Whoville section in Seuss Landing mm-hmm. where um, there were like cast members in Whoville makeup. Um, there was fake snow. There was a, a snowball section um there was a big like uh water or like a big like uh uh like kind of like a slide where you go down a uh ski like a uh, thing mm-hmm. uh, or like a uh, tubing uh and i i have like pictures of me like riding that um and they had a big section where you would go to uh what's it called mount crumpet mm-hmm. and it's not actually up a mountain or anything but you're just like it's like a little section of the park where you would um the kids would sit on the Grinch's lap and he would, you would tell them him what you want for Christmas. Yeah. And there's a picture of me. And I think I've said it to you before. It's me on his lap and I'm like telling him what I want for Christmas. Mm-hmm. And if, when I, on the back of the picture, it's, it's like November 20 or 2000. Mm-hmm. Um, but my big, uh, like, I, I don't really remember this that well. Cause I was three years old when it happened. Mm-hmm. But my mom like tells it like every chance she gets. Um, in the snowball section, I was like really having a good time that year because uh, I like it was fake snow and I was like I'd never seen snow before, and I was like amazed by it and I was like just like crumpling up in snowballs, just like throwing it all over the place, and apparently like I nailed a Hoobo person in the fucking face with a snowball, <laughs> and I got like a verbal or my mom got like a verbal warning against oh me to not assault the Hooville people, um because I. Like, apparently, like, it was bad. Like, I just, I don't know how three-year-old me, like, got a snowball that significantly and, like, threw it at their face. But apparently, it was, like, bad enough that my mom got a warning about it. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah, I, I terrorized a Whoville civilian. At yeah. At Grinchmas, like, the lines to meet the Grinch are still, like, two hours long. Like, people, yeah. like, Yeah. Um, and that Grinch specifically is like, I mean, like his performance is very similar to Jim Carrey's. Like it's like not yeah. like based on it, but like you know. I mean, I, it feels like it inspired is, by. Yeah, it. I mean, you can tell that that is the Grinch that people have nostalgia for, and you can definitely tell that those performers, they're not. I don't think they're given notes to be like Jim Carrey, but I think they just like are. I think even mm-hmm. like innately, I think it's kind of hard to separate it because. I mean, like, what are you going to do? Be Benedict Cumberbatch? I mean, I like that movie, but it's just like, what are you going to... Like, there's no one else to yeah. really to do. Because I feel like what Jim Carrey did with this performance, it's just like... I mean, the mannerisms, the voice, it's just like... I, I don't know how you top that in terms of, like, live-action Grinch. I think it's pretty much the peak. Like, I don't yeah. think you could do it better, honestly. There's also, like... Like, I'm just going to bring it back to the physical sets again. But, like, there's such a difference between, like, um, like in the Whoville area in Universal. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
there's such a difference between there being a physical movie set that you feel like you can like walk around in and then like something that was designed by illumination where uh anything could look like anything in an animated movie if that makes sense yeah no i i agree with that i i think that's something that universal always does really well Mm -hmm. but especially like in this movie it's just so like I don't know. I don't. I don't know when movie sets. The idea of movie sets died in Hollywood. I yeah. every few years, I feel like we see a really good movie that like reminds you, usually Barbie. like a Wes Anderson movie or Barbie or uh, yeah. poor things. I thought this year also had like really good sets. Like there's there's in like Diamond Alley two years ago. Mm. It's really good in that sense. Um. So you know, there's all always movies in the sense that every year you get a few, but. There was definitely like uh, you're you're hard pressed to find an era more than like the 2000s, which really like it just felt like that was the top of the game because uh-huh. it felt like they they really advanced, you know, it felt like the peak of what they could do, but it did feel like there was a sense of like the early 2000s that every movie had a giant set, um, like even movies with like really shitty CGI. I don't know why this movie's coming to mind, but I'll just say it: Van Helsing, pretty bad movie. <laughs> Uh, it's like the really... most random movie you could pull out of your ass. Uh, but no, like the thing about that movie is that I I remember it very distinctly from my childhood because it has like these massive sets, like Castlevania ass like moats and castles mm-hmm. and like epic battle like stuff and just like kingdoms and like villages and stuff. But it's also mixed with like the worst like early 2000s CGI you can imagine. Mm. But again, though, big sets, really like elaborate costume design, like crazy hair. Like it's like it's pretty insane. So it's just like it's <clears throat> funny how like in these movies you'll see all these amazing practical things. But also there's always like kind of an undercurrent of like what's to come, which is like a very uh cuspy point of like cgi and like yeah and stuff which is kind of funny um although this one doesn't really have any egregious cgi it's a little yeah dangerous. i mean there's like only really like two tiny things that i could think of which like the sled going down the mountain which whatever it doesn't really bother me yeah it was and then like when max's eyes like bulge oh yeah yeah and that bothers me too but i think also like because i think you were saying this in the beginning um that like parts of this scared you mm-hmm. um i think the fact that it was practical was very scary to oh, me at time. some points um because like i specifically wrote down like things that like really bothered me as a kid like i like made a list um his eyes being yellow yeah. Um, I don't like his fingers and I yeah. never liked his fingers, how like long they are. I remember um, when this movie was coming out, or like a year before yeah. it came out, the teaser poster was just his finger holding like an ornament on it. Uh huh. And it said like next Christmas, Jim Carrey is the Grinch. And it's just it's fucking it's scary. Scary, yeah. Um I don't like when he like eats glass. And I was stuff. gonna say that. That's my big ick of this movie is when he yeah. eats glass. When he eats anything, like, gross. Um, when he's, like, um, when he uses the onion as deodorant. Um, yeah. Uh, and, oh, my God, like, the very, like, first time he talks in this movie, if I'm not mistaken, it's, like, a close-up of his teeth while he's chewing 
like uh-huh. onions and there's like juice like going yeah. down his face. Which again though is the point. So yeah. it's hard to like knock it for that either. Um so if anything it like kind of effectively gets the job done of like having you disgusted by the Grinch. Yeah. So uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also um I don't like I was like really scared of like the mask that he uses as a disguise. When he's right. wearing the cloak. Um, yeah. Just so many things in this just, like, unsettled me as a child. But, like, I really love this movie. I lo- Like, I loved it when I was younger. Um, and I watched it, like, all the time. But there was just so many things in it that just, like, creeped me out so much. Yeah. I mean, when you... um, I mean, honestly, when you watch this as a kid, you're just kind of, like enamored by it and like you're scared and like captivated by it in equal measure and i think that's why so many people have like a very similar relationship with this movie mm-hmm. um and like, again i think that's also why it's like a little bit like kind of hard to watch it as an adult because you're just kind of like what do i feel about this movie <laughs> like like how can i like even objectively watch this as an adult and like try to form any other opinion other mm-hmm. than like this is a very weird and interesting movie that i grew up with as a kid and i still kind of like it today like, that's yeah. all you can really say about it at the end of the day. Um, but, you know, even with that being said, like, it is kind of interesting to watch it as an adult and, like, kind of, like, dig into, like, whatever the fuck they're trying to do or say about, like, commercialism and, like, spending on Christmas. Mm-hmm. And um, I, also, like, something I always forget about this movie every time I, like, rewatch it is, like, how, like, horny it is. It's, like, a very... yeah weirdly yeah. sexual movie <laughs> christine baranski is like so hot in this movie yeah she i mean she's always like sexy but it's just like there is um this is like her and her like prime like yeah because like i mean like even like in the mamma mia movies like she's like full i'll say she's full-blown milf in those movies but yeah. like in this it's just like okay like shut up like it's <laughs> like you're you know, it's like it's peak she's she's great in this um honestly one of the best some of the best like a person's ever like looked on a film honestly Mm -hmm. um but yeah i mean even aside from that just like i don't know it's just like it's a weirdly like horny like movie like Mm -hmm. i just i i can't get around it it's i mean i don't even like fully dislike that aspect of it it's just kind of like something you grapple with every time you watch it Mm -hmm. yeah it's like you forget and then, yeah. Well, like, even that joke early on when um the stork delivers the baby and the dad picks it up from the doorstep and is like, why does it look like your boss? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty <laughs> funny. It's pretty funny. But it's yeah. just kind of, like, I always forget that those jokes are in this movie. Yeah. Um, Some of the most vile shit in this movie happens, like, in the flashback scenes with, like, baby Grinch and young Grinch. I don't like when he shaves his face either. Yeah, the like little patches. I was scared of that. I didn't like like yeah, I didn't like yeah. that. Yeah, no, it's it's um it, honestly this movie as a kid it, it, when I I had like a phobia of shaving until I was like fifteen. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of because of this movie because I knew, I mean I just knew of the dangers of like shaving and like you know having those patches on your face, but like it all kind of stems back to the Grinch because that was my first exposure to it <laughs> was like seeing the, the imagery of like his little like specks of like blood and stuff yeah. on the patches. Like that is something that I like remember about 
yeah. about this movie. There's so much of this movie that I feel like carry like or like stuck with me throughout my life. Yeah. Which is like weird to say, but like I don't know. It's just it 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 just does. It, like it sticks. No, I get it completely. Yeah. I really do. Um I don't like when he's like eating banana peels and shit. Like that's like yeah. stuff that still grosses me out to this day. And I was yeah. always scared of it as a kid. Yeah, I think I mean I got over it, but even like today, like rewatching it, like the glass thing really got me. The um the onion that got me like I like audibly like went ew when it was like the close yeah. his teeth and stuff. The termites in his teeth. Yeah. Um, which again yeah. I actually like on a visual level, I'm kind of like, that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Like they're that they're willing to be this gross for like what is supposed to be a like multifaceted, like you know, holiday event from a major motion picture studio. Yeah. Like the fact that they let a movie like this be so distinct visually and like a little bit, not even a little bit, like fully gross is like yeah, really gross. pretty, pretty impressive. Like I, I really admire the fact that like it exists as yeah. a movie. Um, honestly talking about, it, I kind of want to like bump up my Flutterbox rating to a 3.5 just because I, <laughs> I kind of, I don't know. I enjoy how, strange this movie is i like yeah i i do my biggest knock against it is that i do think it's over long i think it's a good i generously i would say 10 but maybe realistically i'd even say 20 minutes over long yeah um i i just think there's a lot of fat here that you could have easily trimmed and it would have been a better movie for it um a lot of like the jeffrey tambor stuff i could you know do without yeah um but, you know, what, what can you do? Um, I also feel like the scene where he's, like, stealing the presents goes on, like, longer than it should. Definitely. Because it's, like, in the animated one, like, the original special, if I'm remembering correctly, like, it's, like, a very short montage. It, and I like, feel like... Yeah. It, well, they have, like, three montages in this scene. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and... In the original one, isn't it just like to the song? It's like it's, it's just, just like yeah, it's the, the montage it, just to the song. Yeah, I mean it's the montage to the "You're a Mean One" and yeah. um, and then he has the one with Cindy Lou. Then he goes up the mountain and he waits to hear them crying, and then he hears them singing, and then he goes back down the mountain. It's all done yeah. like in the span of five minutes. Yeah, which and, and not to say that you can't, you know, go like obviously expand past five minutes. Yeah. But the thing is, like, this movie, it has, like, um, at that point, like, three different montages of him, yes. like, stealing the presents. And then, like, in between those. Getting dressed. Cindy, and then he like, has, like, the Cindy Lou moment in between all those moments. Yeah. And it just feels like it. that's the element of it that would have been, I think, benefited from being simpler. Mm-hmm. And that's easily, like, a good five minutes to shave at minimum. Like, yeah. e- easily, easily. Um, I think even like the bit where he like goes down to the town square for like the Christmas party, that's a little bit over long, I think. Um, I think some of the like, I mean, or like I said, the tri- the Jeffrey Tambor stuff, I think is a little bit over long. Yeah. Some of the flashback stuff even is a little Oh, bit that's hot. such a long scene. Like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Like, it, I mean, and I, I really do enjoy 
like a lot of the Jim Carrey like improv-y like bits of this movie. Mm-hmm. But there's a few bits where you could probably trim it down a bit. Like it, it not that I don't like enjoy it. It's just like it's the same joke kind of like repeated like over and over again. Yeah. And and I get it. That's why you get Jim Carrey to be the Grinch. I, I understand that. But I don't know. By like the third time he's like just talking to himself, I'm just kind of like, all right, like, yeah, okay, like I get it. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not saying it's unfunny, but like, you know, let's wrap it up a little bit. Yeah. So like, I, I feel like yeah, if you trimmed it like a bit, it could be like a really you know precise and solid 90 minute movie, and it's as it is a very interesting but kind of bloated an hour and 50 minute movie. Mhm. Yeah, um I mean I feel like when Benedict Cumberbatch was uh cast as the Grinch in like the Illumination one in 2018, people were like that's such a fucking dumb casting, like whatever. Yeah. But then like if you think about like the original Grinch, it's like he really was just like a dude with like a deep voice. Yeah, I mean... Like, he doesn't have to be, like, blah, 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 like, all the time. Yeah, I mean, I think that's an issue that the old heads kind of had with this movie when it came out. The old was, heads. Well, I mean, honestly, if you, like, read the old, like, and this movie's, like, a 50 or 40 on Rotten Tomatoes or something. Like, it's... Yeah. It wasn't well-reviewed when it came out at all. Like, it was yeah. pretty poorly received. Um, And the main criticism that you see among those reviews is how it, it's very similar. It's not as scathing, but it's very similar to the cat in the hat reviews where yeah. it's, it's like, this is completely like missing the point of like Dr. Seuss's like story. It doesn't capture the spirit of the Grinch and blah, blah, you know, all that shit. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, that's valid, whatever, you know, different strokes, like whatever. But, you know, I think that's something that's like really interesting about it is that it, tries to do something like kind of radically different but then it still has the same outcome mm-hmm. by the end and i think it's kind of in a weird situation where it has kind of overtaken the original text and material and the like the og short yeah. and has become arguably more iconic and more like um, distinct. Whereas I feel like, I mean, okay, like you make the point that like when you talk about like the universal like Grinchmas stuff, mm-hmm. I you know obviously like everyone's like trying to tap into like Jim Carrey's like voice mannerisms, mm-hmm. but then you go to like Walmart or something and like you'll see like Grinch pajamas and it's still like the imagery from the 60s. Yeah. So it's kind of like a double-edged sword. Like you still see like the imagery of the 60s, but the mannerisms, the tone, like the understanding of the Grinch is very much soaked in the carry version. So it's a weird, and it feels like the 2018 one didn't really have a lot of like, cultural impact. yeah, like, and I, and I, like, I enjoyed it actually. I thought it was a yeah. very cute movie. I liked the music. The music was awesome. The music was good. I thought the animation was like very cozy. I thought yeah. Benny Cumberbatch did a good job in the role. Um, I liked the 2018 one, but it's just, it didn't really have any like staying power. And I mm. did even, I even thought that in the moment, even though I was enjoying it, when it ended, I'm like, I just don't see it really making a difference because it doesn't have anything that stands out yeah, um, from the other two versions of it. And I just don't see it becoming like a frequent in households, which is something I thought was kind of crazy because when it was coming or like when it was pitched, I was like, guys, 
a Grinch movie from the Despicable Me people, like this is gonna make like a billion. Like it's it's fucking yeah. insane. I'm like this is gonna be like the new like Coco Melon. Like it's gonna be insane. Like it's gonna be like Christmas Coco Melon. Yeah. Um, and it kind of like wasn't. It didn't really do I mean, much. Like, my niece was watching it the other day. Yeah, I mean it's a like it's fun and it's fine. Like yeah. I I think kids could like watch it, but I just meant more so like I was expecting it to be like a staple in every household. I yeah I I really thought yeah. it was gonna be like the Despicable Me of Christmas or like the Minions of Christmas like it was gonna be like this newfound thing every Christmas and it just kind of wasn't but it's it's not a bad movie by any means it's just yeah. kind of weird in that sense and where I feel like that movie tried to take over you know and like become the new Grinch thing people just doubled down on this one instead <laughs> again yeah. and they just keep I... rewatching. I don't think I want my child to watch this movie. Um, I mean, I wouldn't mind if they watched it at a certain point, but it, I, I don't know what age I would show it to them at. I, I think earliest I would show them is like, like, I mean, I don't know. I don't know the kid yet, but like, I would say like bare minimum four. What? I mean, I don't four. know. I saw this. I saw it when I was like three. I don't know. I need my child to know like right from wrong before <laughs> watching this movie. I mean, that's what the Grinch is here to teach you. Um, I, I no, I think like I was just I, that's what I'm saying. Bare minimum, like the cool, the kid has to be fucking cool, like immediately. You know what I mean? I think but it's like, just a matter of like um how like Coco Melon like rots kids' brains. No, literally. Um, I feel like showing this to a child would like overstimulate them to the point where like they can't go back. Like uh, one of my fears, I'm just gonna get into it. One of my fears about like <laughs> parenting or something is yeah. that like I give my child an iPad like once, and then yeah. like something like breaks in their brain and they're just like, I need iPad all the time. And I feel oh, like yeah. if I showed a child this movie, it would be like that. And then you see like how like stressed like parents are like on TikTok mm-hmm. or something, and you're like, uh, you're like, how easily would I fold in a situation with like, a crying kid? Exactly. Like, yeah. No, I understand. Like, I, I don't plan on being an iPad parent, but no one I does. Mean, like, personally, like, think... me. If you give me an iPad, <laughs> I'm out for the afternoon. Well, that's the thing about iPad parents is that no, I don't think any of them go into parenting with the idea that like yeah i want my kid to have an ipad all day like no yeah. one does that i think it's just a condition of the like yeah I, I think if, if ipads existed from like the 80s on we would i i am like humanity would just be over <laughs> yeah like i i think um it's gonna be really interesting to see let's get like too deep into it but it's gonna be totally interesting to see where like Gen Alpha is and like whatever. Well, however, apparently, years. like I don't know if you've been seeing, but like kids just like don't know how to read anymore. That's awesome. I love that. Have you been seeing that on like no, TikTok and, and stuff? And it's not concerning at all. Jesus Christ! What the fuck? Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like because kids' attention spans are, like, fucked up from, like, iPads and, like, TikTok and stuff. I sound like such a boomer, like, iPads and TikTok, but, like, No, I mean, there's, like, a... I mean, there's obviously... There's a difference, though. There's, like, boomer talk about, like, technology bad, and then there is a very, like, critical examination of it from the lens of, you know, people, or, like, you know, uh, like us. Like, I mean, we're both, like, 25, 26. Like, I... Mm -hmm. 
you know, we're in that age range and we grew up on the kind of the cusp. Like we, we had like a relatively social media free childhood, but then, you know, around yeah. like age 12, 13, 14 is when that kind of popped off and mm-hmm. iPads kind of came to the fold around that time too. Yeah. So, you know, we had an interesting development period with which that was relatively technology free, but then a little bit later in life it came out so it yeah. is kind of interesting to like kind of like we and even so you know even us as teenagers and now as you know adults we feel the side effects of it even on a daily basis as adults but you yeah know, i feel the ripple effects of you know how much it affected my mental health as a teenager and you can't help but wonder how someone that was born fully into it how that even like develops as yeah. a person like how, how does that even work i'm like I, I i know it's like a meme like not being able to eat without watching youtube no literally but like genuinely like if that was like implemented in me since childhood yeah. i don't even think i'd be like able to like read or like comprehend yeah. anything like because i mean more often than not i just like watch it as like background noise like i don't really care like what i'm absorbing when i'm watching youtube yeah um but yeah yeah, i've gotten into the habit where instead of just having youtube on while i'm working or whatever i'll just like open up netflix in my sidebar and i'll just click on the first like 90 minute movie that was made before the year 2010 and i'll just watch it um just because i'm like if i'm just gonna be having something on it might as well be something that'll make my brain grow in any way shape or form even if it's just like the movie prom night from 2007 or whatever yeah awful like, movie by the way yeah yeah it's just like i can't imagine like i feel like there's such a huge generational divide between us and gen alpha and gen z where okay this is gonna sound like so like we live in a society but so when we were growing up, it's like parents were trying to take technology away from us mm. and be like, you don't need that. Put down that right. phone, like whatever. And then like the next generation is just like, take this. Take this. Yeah, take it, take it. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I mean and it's really crazy and scary. And, and it's we don't even talk about like the like weird effect that it's had almost like re- regressively where and i mean i don't know if your parents are the same way but like my mom is like such an ipad baby and mm-hmm. um you know it's really like found her like later in life where she was i mean exactly the same way like she was just kind of like get off your damn phone but i mean jesus like getting her to watch a movie nowadays like forget mm-hmm. about it like forget about it like <laughs> and like, it's remember, like it's like what are they doing I don't, I mean, she, I, mean, I can't speak just to scrolling. <laughs> for all moms and dads, but my mom, um, she plays like a ton of iPad games. Mm-hmm. Candy she, Crush? Uh, not, I mean, she definitely played Candy Crush back in the day, but now it's more like, uh, I mean, for back of letter, for a lack of a better term, like a tycoon type game where it's kind of like mm-hmm. a village or like some kind of like, like, I don't, like, I don't know. I don't really pay attention to it, but I, I see the notifications on the iPad sometimes. And I'm like, oh, it's like, it's like build your village now or something. Farm like. simulator. Yeah, no, literally. Um, but, you know, I mean, and, you know, I mean, my mom's like 
smart and everything. And, but she's also like getting older. And I think, you know, it is kind of like tempting to like just kind of like rot your brain a little bit yeah. at that age. And it's also, like, it's the thing of like if you're using your brain all day long at work, mm-hmm. like, why would you want to think about anything? And I completely get that. I really yeah. do. But it's the idea of starting off not thinking of anything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, yeah, it's the same thing here because, like, I can't imagine having a childhood where I wasn't, like, you know, like, excited about, like, the Scholastic Book Fair or, like, wasn't, like, completely enamored by, like, just going places and doing things and like the beauty of like theme parks or like you know the mall or like the park or you know Mm -hmm. just like very simple things and I think a lot of that you know that the kind of sense of like whimsy and wonder is you know not attached to the idea that I didn't have any of these you know, mm-hmm. devices as a child. Like, I didn't have anything. I, you know, we had TV at home, but that's that's the great thing about, you know, back when. God, I, I sound so old, but like it's just kind of no, like. No, I literally know where you're going with this. <laughs> like <laughs> that's like where you go, you go home, and that you have TV time at home, and you have it at a very distinct and specific time. But it's like that's not all life is. You don't have it portably. You don't have it you know, at your, at every disposal, you don't have it at any convenience. You just have it at a very specific and divided time at a specific place and you have to go to it. It doesn't follow you around. And that is something that I think, I mean, the jury's out still. I mean, who knows about the effects something I think scientists are in like, just like, even just like psychology and sociologists and everything i think you know it's still something that's being studied but it's it's really fascinating to see where it all goes i mean i and i'm not smart enough to answer that i don't i don't have any fucking clue it's a little scary yeah i was gonna say too regarding what you were saying about tv time is um and i guess we could loop this back to the grinch um (laughs) (laughs) now with streaming like there is something on all the time and you can have what you want at your fingertips uh, as opposed to me coming home from school and being like, I have to be on uh, TBS at 3 p.m. and 3.30 to watch (laughs) Friends. Right, yeah. Like, there's, and I, I, I sound like a boomer, but like, there's a sense of instant gratification that, and it's not just children, it's us too with like Amazon and shit. Like, big time. Literally, like, full disclosure, I have had COVID for almost two weeks now. The amount of fucking packages that are in my room because I am so goddamn bored is insane. And it's the fact that it's just like there. Like, the yeah. fact that you could like click on something and it's there. Um, yeah is insane to yeah me. i mean i just like midway through the work day the other day i just bought the oppenheimer script for like ten dollars on amazon do i need yeah. that not necessarily is it cool <laughs> yeah yeah i'm glad i have it yeah like I, I don't know like i there's a ton of stuff like that for sure i mean yeah i mean that is like an instant gratification of it all and i think you know again like, like you said trying to wrap it back to the grinch like it especially like in the age of streaming 
if this is like the kind of movie that because again if you're going back to like the old head argument like when this was coming out like people you know the older generation didn't really love this movie when it came out because of how it kind of like strayed away from like what the Grinch in their heads or even just like objectively what it the original text did mean and say and felt and all that jazz um if they didn't like that departure from it and us as a generation and even like millennials trying to you know pass on to their kids i'm not sure how that's going i don't talk to many millennials with kids but um but i can only imagine that it's happening i'm sure a lot of you know gen alpha or gen xers or whatever um you know, are seeing these, uh, seeing this movie for the first time this year, or last year, or next year. Um, but you know, even with that being said, like we're talking about it from a sense of how we watched it every Christmas on ABC Family, and without that syndication aspect, I wonder, like in 10, 15 years, like what it, what movie are are they going to be talking about movies this new, next generation? Like, is yeah. there? Are they going to talk about the Kissing Booth three? Are they going to talk about like, or are they going to like, like what? Like what is there? Are they going to talk about fucking like Spirited, the Will Ferrell movie? Like, like yeah. what is there? Is it? Or do they care about streaming movies? Or are they just going to find like Greta Gerwig's Little Women in like five years on Netflix? Like what? Like what is it going to be? Like I'm so curious yeah. what that even means in I the mean, age of streaming. I, I think with what we were talking about last week, I think Elf is definitely here to stay forever. Yes. Um, I mean, like, if you think about it, it's like we're all still watching Christmas Vacation and A Christmas Story every single year. Yeah. Like, I think these movies are here to stay. And, like, no, I'm not going to show my child A Christmas Story because I fucking don't like that movie. But I don't like it either, yeah. The next generation is going to be shown that movie. And yeah. I'm sure they're still going to have 24-hour marathons on TBS every year. Although, I will say, I don't know a lot of people, like, our age that actually like A Christmas Story. Like, I feel like a lot of people have our sentiment with that movie. So, I feel like the tides might be turning a little bit with that one. I think basic people like it. Um, No offense to them. But my thing with that movie is that I can't tell if it's a good movie or not. I'm just fucking sick of it. Yeah, I just don't, like like it i just think it's like a super annoying like it's very like mean yeah and i and that is like the point of it which i can like eh, i i I hesitate to say appreciate but i I can get behind it a little bit in that sense but i just don't enjoy watching it that's why Mm -hmm. christmas vacation i think christmas vacation is a perfect movie in the sense that it balances a kind of like narcissistic tone but it has like an actual like heart and a like family like core and it feels very like cozy at the end of the day while just also being very absurdist like i think it's that and elf i just think i really those are my two like that's like what i watch every year i don't really care about anything else um so yeah i mean i don't know about christmas carol about christmas carol i i it's kind of a recent rotation for me because I saw it once as a kid, and I lo- mm. I liked it a lot, but I just never rewatched it. And then I rewatched it last Christmas, and I was kind of like, oh, okay, this is, like, incredible. Um, so we, I am watching it again this Christmas, so I think I'm going to have to, like, beat myself in a submission to, like, watch it every Christmas now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know. But the thing is, like, our, is Jin, 
like whatever like are they gonna have christmas movies in rotation or are they gonna just not watch christmas movies are they like that's even a kind of a funny concept but it's like the idea of like watching movies seasonally is that gonna be eradicated which is kind of I a think, crazy thought, but maybe. Yeah, I think it's just the idea of making new classics. Um, right. I mean, like, not even in terms of, like, seasonally, but, like, for example, like, when I saw Nope for the first time, I was like, I'm watching movie history. Like, this yep. is a classic. This is a movie that is being made that is classic. Even watching, like, even with, like, Barbenheimer, like, not even, like, memeing, I'm like, this is going to be, like, looked back on, like, this weekend. Yeah. And, yes, it was a meme, but also it's, like, the box office, all this shit. Like, watching, like, the second Avatar, I'm, like, mm. the series is going to go down in history as, like, one of the biggest things that has ever happened. Like, yeah. um, and it's difficult because I feel like so many Christmas movies come out every year um as like quote-unquote content that like it's hard to find ones that have staying power yeah um and i really don't know yeah yeah no i i agree i think that's why you know i mean like you said the barbenheimer thing like especially oppenheimer and especially oppenheimer i thought was like because I mean I like Barbie I knew would be like a huge hit but like Oppenheimer was like really staggering to me because it was like oh this is like a dense three hour you know historical yeah. epic which it sold out for weeks yeah and like it, the main factor of that is the fact that it was shot in film and that somehow enticed the general public and a good 40% of that movie is a courtroom drama in black and white and it's like staggering like every moment of that movie i'm just like holy shit like like every scene yeah. of that movie i'm just like oh my god and it's just <laughs> like i love that movie so much and i just and it was crazy because i saw it like three times in theaters i think i saw it in uh i saw it in 70 millimeter the first time i saw it at a screening and then i saw it in imax the next two times i went and every time i went it was completely full in the theater mm-hmm. and everyone was just so like in the theaters that I went to, like they were just so like locked in with it. And it was just so like kind of on a, in a cultural sense, like very cool to see that, to see that kind of like effect. And I don't know. I like, I can't, I hope like that kind of sends a message to Hollywood and like, that there is like more movies like that. Like, but also like, it, you know, to maybe tie it into the to the Grinch weirdly, the good thing about the thing about Oppenheimer is that that movie has a very low reliance on like CGI yeah. and like gimmicky stuff, and it doesn't compromise its own identity. And also another thing about Oppenheimer is that it has insane production design and production value, and it has like actual sets that you can like tangibly see and feel. And it therefore feels like massive and immersive. And that is, if you want to like talk about what is making people go to the theater in the age of streaming, it's what can you get from a theatrical experience that you cannot get at home? And what does that experience offer? Is it something that you can 
you it truly feels different and massive and like an actual genuine experience. Mm-hmm. I think it's no mistake that a few of the, the some of the rare movies that made over a billion dollars since COVID are Oppenheimer and Avatar movies that yeah. are unlike anything else playing right now. And they have like really just massive scales and inventive ideas. Barbie too, even, I mean, there's like insane production value in that movie too. Mm-hmm. So if we have to tie it back to the Grinch, make more movies with like sets and like production value and shit like that. Cause it's really, yeah. impressive. and there's a draw to it. And you know, people can really tell the difference, even general audiences. Like, um, I mean, like everyone has been seeing in the past, year or two like no offense adam <laughs> i think you agree everyone's fucking tired of marvel movies oh, everyone like, is tired I'm of just them, yeah. yeah of just like fight scenes happening in a void where yeah. you clearly can tell that these people are like not in the same room <laughs> and yeah. i just feel like all these movies that are being made, like Barbie, Oppenheimer, all this stuff, no matter what, like, the subject matter is, there's, like, a warmth to them. They just feel real. Yeah, I mean, the... I, I mean, I would say as far as, like, Marvel goes, the only... I mean, as far as, like, post, like, Endgame, like, the only... I, I'd say I enjoyed, like, the most, like, maybe three. I'd say generously, like, I really liked... Uh, I mean, I loved Guardians 3. I thought that was great. That was fantastic. Yeah, that was a um, lot of physical sets, too. Again, yeah, exactly. Like, cause, I mean, I think that has this, heart. That's just like James Gunn, though. I feel like yeah. James Gunn is just like, he's so good at that stuff. Even the Suicide Squad was like just a massive, beautiful, like, movie, I think. And he just has like a great, like, visual eye for that stuff. And I mean, I didn't like hate the Marvels. I thought it was like whatever, mostly just mm-hmm. kind of disposable. But. I didn't like it, but I didn't, like, hate it either. But, like, if you compare, like, Guardians 3 to that, it's, like, laughable on a production standpoint. Like, how much better Guardians 3 looks at every turn. And, I mean, I I liked No Way Home, and I liked, like, Wakanda Forever. I'm one of the only people that like Eternals. But, like, it's just kind of, like, even I'm kind of exhausted by it all. And I'm... I'm the guy that reads comics. I'm the guy that's like, I, I'm I'm like the day one audience and I'm feeling fatigued and not yeah. even fatigued by the story or by the characters or the genre, but I'm fatigued by the sense of manufacturing. How I'm much fat- they want you to care. I'm no, honestly, no, I'm more fatigued by how confident and how much they like rely on your commitment to the product regardless of whatever they crank out because they're totally yeah. banking on your investment in previous things to garner interest in new things and that is not a reliable method of and it, it's honestly sorry not to make this about marvel but it's like incredible to me how it's like so distinctly similar to the exact way the comics went mm-hmm. uh, when they introduced the multiverse and they had so many cooks in the kitchen and they just had to reboot after a while and 
it, it's getting to that point where I'm like, it's kind of incredible. Like the same exact thing happened. They introduced the multiverse in the comics and they had to reboot. And it feels like that's where they're going with this now. They, they just have too many things going on at once. And they just need a clean slate again. They have to like make fucking Spider-Man flip, like catch a car, like have yeah. the guardians do their thing, have Iron Man flying around. That's all you need. Like, I don't give a fuck <laughs> about Kingo. Okay. I don't give a shit about Moon Knight. I'm sorry to say. Like I don't Echo, you seem lovely, but like <laughs> let's 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 keep it on Disney Plus. Like I don't like I don't give a shit. Yeah. Like I'm I'm just tired. And you know, that's it's no mistake that like last year I don't I didn't give a shit about any of the Marvel movies that came out last year. What was my yeah. favorite movie of last year other than Nope? Uh Top Gun Maverick. And it's yeah. because I felt the need for speed i felt when i like when it's he, like movies that make you feel alive not to sound corny but like oh yeah 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 i mean there's i when i was like making my top like 20 list of the year tonight uh-huh. i was kind of like i was like damn there's like have been like some incredible movies this year like this is true oh, yeah. there's been some really great movies this year um yeah amazing year for movies yeah, and honestly, my top five or six or seven or whatever, like, I gave out seven five out of fives this year, which is, like, I I haven't done that since, like, I want to say, like, 2019. 20, yeah. I think this is, like, the best year we've had since 2019, for sure. And I was kind of comparing it to 2017 a bit, mm-hmm. where I was, like, for the longest time in 2017, I saw, like, Lady Bird in October. And for, like, three months, I was like, this movie cannot be beat. And yeah. then I saw Phantom Thread, and I was like, well, fuck. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. like Listen, I saw Phantom Thread, like, after I after I made my top ten list. Like, I saw it, like, Same. halfway through January, and yeah. I didn't expect it to change my life. Like, no, literally. Did. Same. Like, I, you're a different person after you watch Phantom Thread for the first mm-hmm. time. <laughs> literally, I have a tattoo. I changed. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I, I got a Phantom Thread tattoo. But, so, um, yeah, so, I, I don't th- know. Do you think more Christmas and family movies would benefit from being like the Grinch in the sense that they're massive and weird and they have a value on distinct filmmaking and being unlike anything you've ever seen before, both visually and also tonally? See, I really don't know because I'm finding that I don't really have anything to compare it to now. That's the thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, because everything like kid related, because you don't get like a lot of like live action family movies. Yeah. Um, It's all like elimination, like animated shit. Yeah. I find that like things like the Grinch and the cat in the hat and anything that's like wacky um i feel like i could also put like the series of unfortunate events movie in the same realm for some reason i really oh, don't 100%. know why i mean no you um that movie has like a large sets and stuff too and yeah also jim carrey yeah um but i find that i look at like i'm looking at them through the lens of like we appreciate them now on an artistic level yeah and I don't necessarily know if at the time, like, I, I really don't know. It's hard to yeah. think if The Grinch came out today, if people would like it. Um, 
I mean, I don't know. I, I, I don't think they would either. I mean, it's kind of a weird thing, isn't it? Like the way movies like age like that. Yeah. I a lot of it is nostalgia. No, I agree with that. I I do. Um, you know, I'm like reading the like Wikipedia page for this movie, and I'm I'm seeing that like uh, apparently before. Carrie was cast as the Grinch. They had Jack Nicholson and Eddie Murphy in consideration. Jeez. Which I can't even, like, imagine either. I mean, Jack Nicholson, I can kind of see. That would be funny as hell. I can't even imagine him, like, in the makeup, though. Like, I can't. (laughs) He'd be, like, short, right? Yeah. Jack Nicholson short? Yeah. I don't know. I... Jack Nicholson is, like, one of those guys that he's, like, obviously immensely talented, but it's just, I, I almost think he's too good for this. Like, I like I hate to say it, but um, yeah. Eddie Murphy, I that's one I can't even, like, visualize, because it's just, like, what does that even look like? Yeah, I feel like he would have been the next Dr. Seuss guy. I mean, what, what else is there even, like, to do after? One like, fish, I mean, two fish. I guess, but like, who would he fucking play in that? Like the fish, I don't know. the fish. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I I thought uh, all the places you go would always make like a good uh, movie, but yeah, uh, I don't know. I feel like I think the thing is with that though, it's a very sentimental book. Um, yeah, that that's why people... I think it would be a good movie. Yeah, but then if you think about it, they would add like an hour of like dumb bullshit to it. I guess my in my head, the most perfect version of that movie is like a Ghibli movie. Yeah. Where it's like completely like abstract and like emotional and like a like a journey into emotion. And yeah. I guess that's just too much to ask because like I guess movies would not do that yeah. <laughs> at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, I think this is like one of those weird situations where um I don't know. Like it's just, I don't know how the, the general public would respond to it. But like you're right, it, it is nostalgia that's talking and it's why it's like trending. If it was a, mm-hmm. if, it was a, if it was on Netflix, it would be in the top ten, like for like eight weeks straight from November yeah. to December. Um yeah, I do see what you mean about like uh, before his death, Dr. Seuss like refused uh to like sell the film rights. And I forgot mm-hmm. to talk about it on the like Cat in the Hat pod how, like, his widow had to agree to all that stuff, and they, like, pleaded with her for a deal here. Um, and I'm, like, reading into it. Um, yeah, so it was Jack Nicholson, Eddie Murphy, uh, Robin Williams is also considered, mm-hmm. and Dustin Hoffman. That's insane. Yeah, like, I can't even imagine what that would look like. Dustin Hoffman as the Grinch. Um, yeah, that was Universal's pitch, but apparently, like 20th Century Fox was also like uh, pitching. Um, apparently, the Farley Brothers and John Hughes pitched versions of the God. Grinch. Uh, yeah, the development page of this movie is like insane God. on the Wikipedia. Um, yeah, uh, wait, hold on. It says, it was reported that Universal Pictures paid $9 million for the film rights. That's pretty low uh, yeah, for, for the Grinch. insanely low. And, oh, the places you'll go. Uh, but before Howard signed on, Tim Burton was also direct, but turned it down due to scheduling conflict with Sleepy Hollow. Mm, uh, kind of slayed like, Tim and Grinch. Jeffrey Price and Peter C. Seaman 
uh, of who uh, framed Roger Rabbit fame, wrote the final screenplay after eight drafts. Um, yeah, that's kind of crazy. So, yeah, this movie was shot from September 1999 to January 2000. Um, it was used, like, on the same set as they shot Psycho on. And... In the Universal Backlot, right? Yeah, apparently. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I mean, otherwise it says... It says that, like, Jim Carrey was, like, kind of, like, a hassle to work with on the set of this movie. I'm sure. <laughs> but to an ex not to, like, you know, obviously, like, make light of that or anything or, like, to excuse it. But I can only imagine, like, how fucking terrible it was to be in that makeup all day. So I can, like, only imagine. Yeah. Well, there's, like, stories about Mike Myers where, like, it was literally torture yeah. for him to, like, get into that suit. Yeah, 100%. Um... I'm reading the marketing page for this movie. I'm just going like, to read the whole thing off, because uh, I, I do remember a lot of this. Um, in the summer of 2000, a trailer for How the Grinch Stole Christmas premiered in theaters. It was hooked up to screenings of Mission Impossible 2, in which Paramount Pictures agreed to screen the trailer if Universal included a trailer to Paramount film in front of Dunny Professor 2, The Clumps. The next trailer debuted on October 6, 2000, with the release of Meet the Parents. Uh, meanwhile, Toys R Us began promoting the film, transforming their locations into Hublation headquarters with the most impressive <laughs> visual merchandising display in the company's history. Shoppers would be wowed for the moment they entered the store with the unbelievable displays and visual elements featuring the Grinch. The Herald Square location in New York City featured floor-to-ceiling themed window graphics of the film's main characters. <laughs> Moreover, <laughs> the entrances featured eight-foot 3D film characters at numerous stores. Um, this is the part that I remember the most. Uh, mm -hmm. Wendy's would even begin selling kids' meal toys at their restaurants. Um, that is true, and I can attest to that because I still have a Jim Carrey Grinch Christmas ornament from Wendy's. I do too. Those, I have Max with like yeah. wheels. Yeah. I have. Um, it's the the sleigh. It's him in the sleigh with Max in the back. Um, it's old as fuck, uh, mm -hmm. but I still have it. Um, yeah, and, but yeah, other, uh, promotional partners included Kellogg's, Nabisco, Hershey's, Visa, Coca-Cola, and USPS. Um, and then, yeah, underneath that, it says, uh, to coincide with the film release, uh, Universal Studios, uh, Florida and Hollywood both began hosting Grinchmas. Um, and, sorry, last thing to say about this is... The home media release, which I remember this was a really interesting talking point when we talked about uh, Meet the Parents. Mm -hmm. um, but that, let's see, um, it sold more than 8.5 million home video units, selling 3 million DVD copies and 4 million VHS copies, making it the best selling holiday home video title at the time. It would go on to join Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Shrek and The Mummy Returns as one of the only four films to sell more than two million DVD copies during their opening weeks. Wow. Uh, overall, it was ranked th as the second highest opening week home video sales for either live action film after Titanic. Uh, Jesus, that's that's fucking crazy. Yeah. Behind Titanic. Um, uh, yes, yeah, by the end of 2001, it sold 16.9 million copies, and that equated to 296 million in sales revenue. 
That's fucking crazy. Yeah, that is, like, really insane. Um, box office-wise, it... I know it did really well. It had a budget... I mean, honestly, wow, the budget's pretty big. It had a $123 million budget. Mm-hmm. Um, and it made $345.8 million, which is pretty good. Uh, that's not even adjusted for inflation, so that's that's pretty solid. Definitely, you know, did more than double its budget. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it was just one of those weird situations where even though the critics didn't really like love it, it really was success in that sense. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't even know what to say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, I didn't Other know... Other than, like, what we've said, like, they should do shit like this more. I mean, it, it would be so nice. Makes money. Um, I think, at the end of the day, if we're talking about how cool Oppenheimer was for its production design, mm-hmm. and we want more family Christmas movies with practical effects, I think the next logical step here is to get Christopher Nolan to make a family uh, holiday movie. You know, I'm, like, kind of surprised that he hasn't made, like, a family movie yet, because, like, when Scorsese did Hugo, he specifically did it because he was like, I want my daughter to be able to watch my movies yeah. or whatever. Yeah, Hugo's fucking awesome. Um, yeah. That's a great movie. Um, and, like, uh, Christopher Nolan is always talking about his kids. I think Nolan is... he. I Something I really admire about him is that he does a different genre. Mm-hmm. Every time, relatively. I mean, they're all in the like drama space, but I mean, you know, Interstellar sci-fi, Dunkirk's a war movie, Oppenheimer is a historical epic, uh, mm-hmm. or like you know, kind of courtroom drama, uh, you know, Inception, Dark Knight, like Tenet, like all different movies. Um, I think he's pretty close to that. I think he's, I, I think he's gonna go maybe back to a psychological thriller again before he does that, or like a western or something, but. Uh, I, I would not be surprised if he eventually gets his own Hugo or something. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, but what I'm saying is he needs to make another Dr. Seuss movie. <laughs> yeah. He needs, he needs to make all the places you'll go and shoot it on 70 millimeter. Which I'm not even Greta, kidding about. Greta Gerwig directs One Fish, Two Fish and releases it the same weekend. I think we need to get... um. God, who else made it like an impressive movie this year? I don't know. Let's get Celine Song to do Green Eggs and Ham. I don't know. Yeah. Like <laughs> Scorsese. Scorsese's Green Eggs and Ham. Yeah, he just fucks off with the uh what's that movie? The wager and he just does Green Eggs and Ham. Mm. Um <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I I will say at the end of the day, like even though this movie does have like a lot of like bloated like stuff, like it, it is a little bit much at certain points i think the ending does like really work like i like i like the redemption scene mm-hmm. and i like i like him returning the gifts and i like all that stuff like it's really it, it works like i don't know at the end of the day it, i don't it, like the scene when his heart grows at all i think that's disgusting <laughs> i kind of like that bit i don't know uh i don't like, like the way it looks it's, it's visually yeah, I kind of like that, weirdly. Like, I... I don't know. I like that. I, I I just really admire a lot of the swings this movie takes, even though mm-hmm. I don't, like, 
actually personally love all of them. Like I love the idea of them and the fact mm-hmm. that it exists and has the ability to exist. So I think yeah. now that I've like spoken my piece with this movie, I can watch it again next year and kind of like just like enjoy it. Hopefully, yeah. Instead of like watching it the whole time and just questioning, do I like this? Because <laughs> like I'm not kidding. That was like my I was going back and forth the whole movie today. I'm like, do I like this movie? I'm like, I don't know if I like this movie or not. I'm like, I think I do, but maybe I don't. I don't know. Mm. Like it's just the whole movie. I had that. No, I feel you. Yeah. Um. The dog's cute. Really good dog performance. Yeah. Uh, who plays Cindy Lou Who? Because I thought she was really good. Uh, Taylor Momsen. She was on Gossip Girl. Okay. Um, but this was like her first role. Um, she's so cute. She's she's baby. She's really good in this movie. She's like a really um, uh, solid kid performance here. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I liked her a lot. She's um, an underdog. Yeah, we talked about Christine Bransky. She was great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, everything else is pretty self-explanatory. It's the Grinch. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's... Your mileage may vary. If you... If you haven't watched it in a while, I do recommend checking it out again. It's a very interesting watch at the end of the day. Like, it, it's unlike anything else you'll probably watch this holiday mm-hmm. season. Um, I think it holds up pretty well, but... It, it really just depends your capacity for a lot of weird shit, honestly. Mm. Um, but I, I think it's kind of fun. Yeah. It's yeah. Good time. Good time. Um, better or worse watching it on my voodoo versus in the hospital room? A lot better. Okay, good. Glad to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. Any final thoughts? Uh, no, I don't think so. I'll continue to watch this whenever I can every year. <laughs> well, now that I have it on my voodoo, you're, you have free access. To Adam it. plus. Yeah. Adam plus. Yeah. Um, if anyone wants to Venmo me like $5 a month, you can have access to Adam plus. There are like 400 movies on there and yeah, it's kind of crazy. It is a pretty crazy lineup. Um, and the thing is I will never remove a movie, so you don't have to worry about anything leaving. Um, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I mean, wait, so have we decided what we're doing next? Are we doing the awards still? or? Um, I need to think about it. I'm off this week, so I'll, I'll have time to okay. plan. We're just talking about behind-the-scenes stuff right now. But. Well, the thing is, I can't really plug next or, like, hype up next week's episode because I don't think we're doing a movie next week. True. Um, so I, <laughs> um, but I mean, hey, if we do the awards, we do the awards. If we don't, we'll we'll do something. <laughs> we're very sorry to the few people that are still listening that we're not doing the awards. <laughs> um, but yeah, you guys can follow me on a uh, Twitter, Adam underscore not Sandler. Uh, the other podcast, Grassley Okay, and yeah, that's about it. You can follow me on Twitter at Garlic Emoji. You can follow us on Twitter at Zillennial Canon, on Instagram at The Zillennial Canon. Give us some ratings, some reviews, send us some voicemails. And yes. Yeah. Merry Kira. Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Uh, Kira got back onto the Instagram, so follow that again. Uh, I didn't, actually. I literally just posted a story that said hi. <laughs> <laughs> and then what did you fuck off already like yeah 
Jesus. Okay, never mind. <laughs> bye, guys. Yeah, bye, guys. <laughs> <laughs>